It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay. And welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. It's time again, McKay. It is time. And it is snowing. It is it's like within the last five minutes. Yeah, literally the last five we minutes. We got our first snow here in and, Salt Lake City. And the thing that's disturbing, not disturbing, that's not the right word, but frustrating, is our guest today is the incomparable. Well, our guest is it's a little different it is. than, than it's, he's most. He's calling in. He's, we have our first call-in guest. It's, it's the incomparable <laughs> Matt Hooper, who is now joining us from Florida. Is that right, Matt? Beautiful Tampa, Florida. Tampa, oh, Florida. What's the 90s. weather? What's the weather in Tampa, Matt? Seventy-three degrees. Beautiful blue sky. Sun. I actually, put my sunglasses on and I'm inside. Oh gosh, oh, gee, was, this guy. Just that. Just this that. Guy. Who invited him? <laughs> Erica. <laughs> He's sitting on his patio, shirtless with sunglasses on. Is what's happening right Jeez. now. Seriously, I don't know what's happening? Yes. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. We really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Yeah, no, I, I love the podcast. It's great. Awesome. So we were talking just uh, before air a little bit. Tesla today. Actually, it was yesterday, today a little bit. Big announcement. Big announcement. Do you so, know anybody who has a Tesla? Yeah, a couple people. Do you know anybody, Matt? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Of, 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 so course. of course. he says. Of course. Like, doesn't everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up my Roadster this weekend. <laughs> there you go, your $275,000 Roadster. So, so Elon, cousin Elon. I like to think of it like if he's my cousin, then seems like a cousin you'd like to have. Yes, Um, better than your real cousins. And I've got some pretty awesome. Keep going. Sorry. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, his new car is only two hundred thousand dollars. Now, how they unveiled the new car was the best thing. Tell me, because I didn't hear about this. So they unleashed, unveiled the new Tesla Semi, which will go like six hundred fifty miles on a charge. Walmart has already said they're going to buy a bunch of them. And he drives the semi up, and that's the only thing they've said that they're announcing. He drives the semi up, talks about the semi. He literally gets out of the semi. Now the semi is pretty there. sweet too. I mean, oh, it's, that, it's pretty. It's, it's a incredible. It's incredible. The, yeah. the, it's the, like the, the gateway drug, right? Yeah, the semi <laughs> looks like autonomous vehicle. That's right. It, this, the semi looks like something out of like a sci-fi Total Recall. Movie. Yeah, right. That's, right? That's, that's it's from Wolverine. It's the. It's almost exactly the same thing that was in Wolverine. If you remember those yeah. autonomous you mean trucks, Logan. Yeah, Logan. Yeah, 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 the one that almost hits, yeah, the one that almost hits him. But yeah, it looks amazing. So he pulls up and he announces. So he's driving. He pulls up, gets out. Everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" And then after he talks about the truck for a minute, the did back he, of did the he truck, pull the Steve Jobs? One more thing. No, he didn't do that. But he let the back open of the truck and this Roadster that looks like the coolest car, not that you've ever had, but that you've ever dreamt of, backs out. And it's this $275,000 Roadster that can go 0 to 60 in 1.2 seconds. The fastest production car ever the made. The fastest production car ever made and can go 620 miles between a charge. This is legit stuff. It's and fantastic. you don't have to drive it. No. Well, you can drive it if you want. And you can. it'll help you. I don't think it's fully autonomous, but it'll help you. That's amazing. That's have you I... seen pictures of this thing, Matt? Yeah. And I, what I love about the Semi, too, is if you look at the pictures, the, uh, the console is in the center. Oh. oh, I haven't seen the interior. Wait a second yeah. here. Here's, yeah. Here we go. We're finding interior pictures. So one... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's like there's a seat in there, and there's, he's got more room you know, to get up and walk around while you're driving the car. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is the goal, right? I mean, these, these, uh, so I just took a journey. I, I drove my son back from Utah. He lived in Provo back to Tampa this weekend. Um, 
unfortunately had the flu and was in the driver's side of a Subaru, the passenger side of a Subaru for 32 hours sick with the flu. Ooh. Ranks pretty much up there with the top most miserable points in my life. Now I feel not so bad about not being in Florida. But I'll you take see the these snow. drivers on the highway, you know, we were driving for hours and hours and we just behind, you know, the same semi. And you think about the time that these guys are behind the wheel and what autonomous vehicles are going to do for that lifestyle, right? They could literally be on a treadmill. Yeah. Right? yeah. And keeping it shape, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they still might need a human for the logistics showing up, de- dealing with the manifest and all that kind of stuff. But think about the experience just while they're on these straightaway roads. Nothing's going on, right? It just needs some Utah, like braking and, and selling. Yeah. I think Utah uh, I-80 from, from Utah to Chicago is essentially a straight shot right. on I-80. Pretty much. Once you get east of Denver to, yeah, <laughs> like Kentucky, there's it's basically just get in and go. And I had a – Right. When I was a uh, – I had a friend of mine who was a nurse for one of these trucking companies. And her whole job was to give people the health certificate and to stay awake, to stay focused. These guys don't live a healthy lifestyle. They're just right. down in caffeine, well, more than I do, yeah. which is a lot. Which is a lot. Saying something. It is saying something. And um, this, this, I mean, the fatigue is going to be significantly less. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, yeah. and to think that you've got Walmart, which has to be one of the top if not the top logistics company, yeah, that yeah. Is, is logistically focused in the world, who's already saying we want some. That's pretty amazing. So, I want the black version. Yeah, that's the black cool. version. Looks like Knight Rider should roll out the back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Knight Hasselhoff shows up that. suddenly. Yeah, but want... you know, you know who's on the back order for these things? Guaranteed, Amazon, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazon's got. Because yeah. again, these are the these are the gateway vehicles to the autonomous vehicles. It's, because Tesla's strategy is about all about upgrading, right? So they're not going to replace the whole vehicle. They're going to go in and just replace a board or a sensor or a component, and it's going to all of a sudden be fully autonomous. Well, the other so cool, this is a wise investment from any one of these you know high distribution logistics organizations, be it the Walmarts, the Amazons, whoever. Well, the other thing that's really interesting is they're using it to map the roads, right? Like we all have a map written down. We know what's there, but how should the cars handle these corners? How should they handle merging from one lane to the next or getting off this exit and going over here? Uh, Because these cars are just also, as they're out there, gathering data. My buddy's got an X and – He's, he fully acknowledges that he is a, ga- a data-gathering machine for right. Elon Musk. That's all he is. He is the product. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. And it's gathering the data. Well, good stuff, Matt. So thanks for thanks for hopping on today. We want to jump into um, some of your expertise in IT and your background and, and career and stuff. But first... First, it's time for the, the lightning, lightning round. round. We tried to say that at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it, it, it kind of worked. It kind of worked. <laughs> All right, Matt. Favorite, favorite movie of all time. Favorite movie of all time. If you're on a the deserted Saint. island, what was it? The Saint. Oh, The Saint. Right there. Val Kilmer, The Saint. Absolutely. I mean, what, what, what a, you know, he's charismatic. He can put on the, he can do social engineering. He's got all the great tools. He's been a Batman, but he came up in, you know, in poor, poor, poor beings. So he came from a, you know, from a, from an underprivileged family growing up in an orphanage. I mean, this, he's this guy, this right? Yeah, he's yeah. done. He's done a lot of thought on. Th- I mean, this is impressive. <laughs> All right, what is your favorite uh, breakfast cereal? Uh, I don't eat breakfast cereals. What do you eat for I breakfast? Could, your bre- favorite I, breakfast every, food? Eggs, eggs every day. Eggs, eggs with, with a really spicy salsa verde sauce every morning. 
Look at that. Wow. See, here's the thing. Yeah. Knowing Matt a little bit, this doesn't surprise me. No. He's a very fit guy. He's very disciplined. Like this, this doesn't surprise me no. at least. No, not no. at all. Favorite song? Uh, what, what mood am I in? You're okay, but, you're sad. You're sad. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> you're sad. That simple man by uh, by. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, this is a real favorite, Matt. Spacing the name of the band here, um, Leonard Skinner. Simple man uh, by Leonard Skinner. Absolutely, one of those sad songs yep. where you realize that your life, you know, everything you strive for is is really always been within your immediate surrounding. You know, so when I'm sad, I, I, I like to, to blast out Simple Man. We need to have like a philosophical existential podcast with Matt. <laughs> I know. Just like discuss we'll, life. We'll be like broccoli, discuss. <laughs> That's exactly. And Matt will just go. <laughs> well, actually, if you think about broccoli and its relationship to, yeah. You went to broccoli and I was checked out. Just... <laughs> That's okay. I think I think that Brussels sprouts are a war crime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, and I tell my mom, my mom used to make Brussels sprouts all the time and I will eat just about anything that she prepares and I'll, and I ate those because. But if you get to San Diego, dude, if you go to San Diego, you have to go to a place called the strip club. Now it, it is a steakhouse. Okay. Simmer down. Come on, Matt. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> it's a steakhouse where you cook your own steaks, a great place. And, uh, and they have, dude, the best Brussels sprouts with bacon and they're and they're a little bit charbroiled oh my goodness these do not taste like brussels sprouts they taste like here's the thing though if you were to I feel put, like i feel like we're discussing nice terrorists if, if you were to put yeah. if he's you were a nice put, he's a nice suicide bomber <laughs> i got dark yeah. i think if you but if you were to put bark like bark from a tree and mix it with bacon and butter it would taste good <laughs> yeah, probably like, I, Oh, have you ever had the bark over in Nashville? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's this place in Nashville called the Strip. Or I, I, I personally <laughs> think that, that calling it a steakhouse is is kind of what the excuse he uses at home for, like, that's why it shows up on the credit card <laughs> The bill. Strip. That's, that's right. That's right. Okay. Oh, yeah, I went to the Strip Club again. There <laughs> you go. There you go. La- last question. What is your the least favorite pet that you've ever had? Oh, Dino. Dino was a small little poodle that we had that we took over from our neighbor who was getting too old to care for it. And it's just like, no offense to people who have poodles. They're just not real dogs. <laughs> like a dog is somebody you can throw a Frisbee to, you can go get, or you can take it out and it's actually pulling you by the leash. Yeah. Like I'd try to like, would walk Dino and I felt like I was just dragging it along the street. Like it was the worst thing ever. I said, my mom would say, take Dino out for a walk. I'm like, you mean take Dino out for a drag? <laughs> yeah. So what happened Dino. to Dino? What, how did Dino meet Dino's demise? We went for a really long walk. <laughs> to a farm? Dino, Dino just didn't survive the drag. <laughs> uh, just... It's like, it's like uh, National Lampoon's uh, vacation. Right. <laughs> exactly right. Poor off, little off, dog. Off, off a, you know, a banana seat bicycle with a little bit of a love hand on the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. <laughs> you successfully completed the lightning round, Matt. Well done. Congratulations. We get to move on. You get to move on. Round move two. On. Round two. All right. So let's dig into the into the topic of discussion today. So we're going to talk a little bit about career path, like we said, a little bit of ITSM, which is your expertise, future of IT, that kind of stuff. So you you've got, as I look at your LinkedIn profile, Matt, you've got a varied past. Like it's not like you have just done IT service management related stuff in your career. And and for those of you who don't know, Matt. Man, you you speak all over the world on these subjects, um, on on IT related subjects, constantly, and uh, you're you're probably one of the world's foremost experts on ITSM. Um, 
but you didn't always do that. As I look at your LinkedIn profile, you're kind of all over the map in terms of what you've done and, and the th- kind of things you've been engaged with. Yeah, you know, so I'm referred to a lot as an expert of an ITSM, and, and, and I, I really don't consider myself that. I, I know people who are. Um, I, have, I have always been, I think, foremost, a, a, a holistic customer solution strategist. And I can see that a customer's journey with, with any organization, be it product or be it services, is, is really, you know, multifaceted. And so, yeah, absolutely. I've been a purple squirrel in my career. Um, it, it has, you know, it's, I went to school for marketing, but I, I ended up, my first job was in IT. Uh, but prior to taking that job, I had already had my consumer-facing franchise. I had a, had a carpet cleaning franchise at 19 that I was, you know, basically paying for my wedding and my college and, you know, my family for, um, I went, I went into it out of necessity. My, my, uh, my now 24 year old, um, was sick as with pneumonia and didn't, I didn't have insurance. So I, I, uh, ended up going, taking a job and outsourced tech support company for DOS 622. And it was, you know, thanks for calling Microsoft. This is Matt. How can I help you today? Right. And it's like um, you did it yesterday. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably seems like yesterday too, right? Yes. Yes. Are you, are you having a praise for the DOS system? Yes. Can we open up batch files and edit them? Yeah. <laughs> That's right? awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was one of those things that, you know, to be honest with you, and, I, and I've spoken about this throughout my career, when, when, when you have a very consumer facing responsibility, like the carpet cleaning job, you know, people say, how does that relate in any way to your world today? You know, I try to put it in perspective. You're, you're a 19 year old kid, right? Running your own business. And one of your responsibilities is to go in and clean the, clean the carpet in a, in a master bedroom of by herself, home alone, housewife, right? So your decorum, your professionalism, your boundaries, the way you handle things, your documentation, uh, writing down the thing, the things that are already broken, and showing them on the on the projection list before you even get started. Those are all real life lessons I had to learn. Right, setting expectation and communicating and and understanding the 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 what, what does this person really want at the end of the day here um, was was something that I learned at a very very young age. And I just translated those skills when it when it came to tech support. I moved up very quickly. Within six months, I was a, it was a, I was a mentor, and then I was a supervisor of that organization. And I, I I went on to leave as a VP of global operations and just that that company alone. So you think about all the different tiers. I was a network engineer, network manager, database administrator, database manager, IT operations manager, managed global data centers around the globe. In a very short period of time, and it was always because I just looked at who were who were the real. Uh, influencers on the outcomes and you know that that to me is what it struggles with still today so when i speak about its and being an expert in it i'm not uh, but what i am an expert in is is understanding the fact that it thinks their internal uh business associates are their customers and they absolutely aren't we, we live in a digital transformation age where it is so consumer facing that IT needs to wake up and realize that their end, their end customer is their only customer, right? And everybody else is just a partner in satisfying that outcome. And that, that's what I get really known for in the industry is this, this rethinking, because ITIL is very much about being a service provider and IT can't be a service provider. 
So when you say that the, you think most IT departments, let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. So you think most IT departments are saying, looking at the wrong group of people as their sort of end user customer, or they're looking at employees of the business that they're trying to, you know, help with whatever uh, task they're trying to help them with or, or, or whatever. But in reality, they need to be looking even outside the company and say, well, that's actually the person I'm serving. Is that what you're getting at, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. When you, you think what you're in benefit, you know, when you're partnering up with somebody, there's a, there's somebody that you're mutually serving. Um, and if you use kind of customer, customer service provider language, it builds a barrier between you. Like, you know, one of, one of the, the jokes I kind of tell when I'm out speaking around the world is what if, what if I went with my partner, like my wife and I've been married 25 years I said, what if I went with my partner and I used this kind of customer service provider language? So I come home from a conference in Vegas and I say to my wife, hey, honey, things were great at the conference. Really great. I was 98.5% faithful to you. I went to the strip club. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I went to the strip club, had a great steak, right? You know, what what kind of, when we're talking disaster recovery, financial management, like, you know, it it, it doesn't make any sense for me to talk like that. We're partners in the outcome of our children and of our family. And being married to me for 25 years, she knows I'm an idiot, right? She knows I'm going to be doing stupid things. Now, of course, I don't cross certain lines, but I'm not, I'm not perfect. And IT is the same way, right? IT's IT's not going to cross certain lines, but there's just certain things that they're not going to get right. The scalability of a system, the durability of a system, they're not going to get it right. And and to to be honest with you, they're basing it off of of things that that have been called a business requirement. They're not a business requirement. They're a business hypothesis. Their business partner, they don't know either. Like how many people are going to use this system? When are they going to log in? When are they going to click this button? I don't know. Right. We're going to we're going to have to learn together. And so when when IT can transcend that, like, you know, Netflix to me is like one of those organizations just built such a such a wonderful culture around IT. They value IT. They recognize they're a technology company that provides media services that they don't they don't live in this world where they're talking about service level agreements and internal customers and all that kind of stuff. They 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 recognize they're dealing with business hypothesis. Like we get to test and try and fail. And if we fail, we'll learn, right? We'll, we'll figure out what we did wrong. And they even run code, like a thing called Chaos Monkey, that will go out and shut down web servers and database servers and network infrastructure. And we say to ourselves, that's insane. Why would someone write code to do that? Well, Netflix does it between 9 and 5 West Coast time when all the engineers are on site, fully caffeinated, to prove their, <laughs> to prove their one value model, which is everything should be highly available and everything should be scalable. So if it's not, let's find out before our customers find out for us. So, uh, you know, you've been, I believe the title was evangelist, and you said you were here on the podcast going around and, and telling this story. What's been some of the pushback that you've heard as you've gone out and tried to tell people uh, this message that you've got? Yeah, so I've had a great question. I've had pushback. I've had people tell me, you know, I don't believe that all business requirements are a business hypothesis. In fact, I'm like, well, who do you work for? Well, I work for NASA, right? And we're like, okay, <laughs> time out. I'm not talking about aeronautics and not, you know, saying that a certain a certain gravitational pull is a business hypothesis. <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is things like Uber Eats, 
right? So Uber Uber releases this thing called Uber Eats like a year and a half ago. People are just Steve, now Steve is a to daily daily customer. Of he used Uber it Eats. once oh, this week actually. Once, sorry, all right. This week, did you really? Yeah, actually, I did <laughs> nice. for the first time. I, I'm like, hey, I'm going to try it out. So I tried it out. So I got a prediction, Matt. Just as an aside, I I think within um, I don't know three four years we'll we'll do this podcast three or four years and we'll. We'll see if I'm right. I think Uber's going to be making more money off from Uber Eats than they are from their standard service that we're all used to with Uber. Prediction time. Boom. Yeah, and and, and I'll add to that prediction too. Okay, I'll tell you what, what they're also going to add to is they're going to do Uber deliveries, right? So Uber is now going to be picking up your 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 last-minute shopping mm. or gift buying or things like that. That's a good idea. So this is something else. Now, now you some people haven't been introduced to this to us. Uber's already testing this. They test it with their their very strong, loyal riders. So somebody like me, who's a you know, avid traveler, use Uber all the day, twice yesterday. Um, actually, use it four times yesterday. Um, you know, I, I'm a perfect candidate for Uber to just try stuff on, because I'm not going to stop riding with them, and I'll test out their little hypothesis. Now, because I'm never home and I don't like have to have food delivered to me, and I'm not a big Uber Eats user. But what they're looking for is they're looking for building out that that experience, right? Finding finding out, and I think that's the new model. Tesla Tesla's a good example. We talked off about it. Right? These these new semis. Do you think this is really where where Uber's invested all of their their R and D into IP? No. First Rev, they're out there testing the waters. They're going to find out what, what sticks. They're going to wait for feedback. They're going to find out why Walmart bought, bought fifteen of these and. Why Amazon is going to buy some, and then they're going to capitalize on that learning to enhance those features, right? So it's, we live in a much more iterative, you know, on-the-fly defined world than than we previously did in IT, and that's that's a challenge for a lot of IT people who are very binary and command and control, right? Do you think that's the biggest um, sort of, like Steve said, pushback or thing that that message gets fought on is? Well, this is because right so IT departments have the have the reputation, right or wrong, of sort of being the department of no. This right? is the way, it's, we've, it's always the way we've always done it, and this it's it's very old school, saying, yeah. and it's like this works. Is that iteration, that iterative culture, a problem in the IT world? It is. Yeah, fundamentally, it is. And and what what happens is, um, IT frankly, is is tired of fighting. Like we know that the business can't survive without IT. Like when IT shuts down in any organization, shuts down for you guys right now, um, you know, neither one of you in IT, but if IT shut down on you, you'd be like, I'm just going to go home. Nothing I can do here, right? So we recognize that IT is consequential to the, to the business strategy. But, but the things that shut down from IT are like network, server, computing, you know, mobile devices. These are so commoditized there was a there was a, a gentleman uh, was a, who's a Harvard professor named Nicholas Carr. In 2003, he he wrote why IT doesn't matter, and in that article, he wrote about how when something becomes something is so consequential to the success of an organization, but yet so ubiquitous and so commoditized that it actually becomes a risk. That is exactly where IT is, and so we're in this juxtaposition where we know IT is critical. But the things that most IT people do are highly commoditized. And so terms like shadow IT, do you know who calls shadow IT IT people? 
It's guys like McKay and Steve. It's exactly <laughs> Not right. IT people, right? <laughs> they don't say, they don't, yeah, right, they don't say that. Yeah, you never say it. IT people say, you, you know, shadow IT, but you guys just say calling, getting business done. They're just like, <laughs> I'm going out and getting the IT things that I need. I, I, it's not to me shadow IT. It's right. just me getting We my don't even done. think about it in that context. It's just we go out and it's like, well, hey, I need this software. I need to get this done. I'll just go do yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's business delivery. It has, it's not a it's not a, a connotation term at all, and that's why organizations like Walmart have shut down the the term shadow IT, and they now call it business IT. And groups like the internal audit group at uh, IT audit group at Walmart at one point was was charted with going out and finding shadow IT and shutting it down, to switching around and going out and finding shadow IT or business IT as they were then calling it. And seeing if their contracts were in the right place, did they have disaster recovery? Did they know how to get the data off of this SaaS provider if they would go out of business? And they became an enabler and an educator. That headcount grew three to- threefold over a two-year period. They became the most sought-after demand in IT. More than enterprise architecture or project management, the internal IT group. You know, this, so this very group that thought that they were you know, in business to protect their jobs, we're actually becoming the most hated part of the organization and in, in, in really in jeopardy of losing their livelihood to becoming the most sought after part of the organization and getting bonuses and pay raises for retention. Do you think that makes, when you say that, do you think that makes certain IT departments heads explode when you're like, yeah. well, embrace it's a lack this. Of, it's a lack of, they're giving up some control. Right. Right. On a very, I mean, uh, uh, an infrastructure like vis- that requires... Right. Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes their, you know, and I saw this in action yesterday. I was in Chicago at an event, and uh, these 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 two these two admins for for the the service desk were were talking back and forth. One was on premise, and the other was in in the cloud. And the the the, the on prem guy was saying, well, you know, it's just not worth the cost to go in the cloud and all these kind of things. And and the other guy said, are you kidding me? He goes, we never deal with upgrades. I don't have to go to my management for, for a justification for an upgrade. He goes, it's just delivered me as a service. I'm now able to go out and do all these value-added things. I'm having conversations with my internal associates that I never had before because I just didn't have the time, right? So, so there's, mm-hmm. there's these, there is definitely this binary IT guy that gets it and this IT guy that doesn't get it. When I say guy, I'm a Boston boy, I mean PC male or female guy. So, you know, you, you get this, uh, you get this, you get this really, you know, different dynamic between some people's light bulb just goes off and says, Hey, I can now add more value. I could actually learn more skills and I can have higher level conversations that are going to make me more strategic to the outcome of this organization. And others just say, well, a robot or automation, or this is going to replace my job. So where's it going to go from here? Well, I think I think it's it's a mixture of there's of of transformation, right? So in any kind of transformation, if you've ever studied John Cotter's, you know, eight 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 factors of effective organizational change management, he'll tell you when you have these champions who go in and start promoting this this new mindset, it takes initial traction. So you know, what's really funny is, and it came up even yesterday in the Chicago event. Someone was like, hey, Matt, this is really good for those unicorn com- companies like Netflix and Etsy. And I threw back at him, Capital One. And he, and he stopped in his tracks and he goes, what? And I said, in Capital One? 
Yeah. So I was telling him, I said, it's just like, you know, Capital One is doing these very things. They actually have a manifesto they put out. I said, they, they, you know, they, you can go out and actually download a harness for releasing code into FINRA based systems based on Capital One standard. And it just blew this guy's mind that a financial services organization like Capital One, as large as they are, as regulated as they are, will be practicing these methodologies. And it, and it just all of a sudden became a whole new world of opportunity for him because he's from a law firm and he's thinking that he could never do these things that he would love to do. But now because someone else has done them, he now sees that there, there is an opportunity here. Right? If anybody gets precedence, it's right. a law firm. Yeah. It's a law firm. Right. <laughs> That's right. Right. So when you go into, you could, Matt, when you go into these companies and you talk to these businesses, and I know you've interacted with our customers a ton and customers in the IT world all over the all over the world, right? You see some organizations that get it, but then you see some that don't. Give us some um, examples of of common mistakes. You talked about the one that they're just they're sort of opposed to the iteration. They they don't want to embrace what we probably erroneously call shadow IT. But where are other areas where IT departments have you go in and you're like, oh, you do this, that's no good. <laughs> the most common you probably got a you probably got a thousand of those. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a big one, right? Very, very germane to ITSM. I'll tell you a big one is when you go into an organization and they, and they try to explain to you that their business operates based on a, a, a chapter and verse in the, in the book of ITIL. <laughs> right. So they're, they're, they're adhered to that directly. Yeah. You know, I was, I was with a, uh, and this is in a previous life, but I was, I was with a, uh, an industrial construction organization. These are guys who build, you know, tunnels and bridges and airports and all the all the really big construction projects in cities. And um, we're going through, and I had already did a little bit of homework on them uh, as an organization. So we, we started having a, a very executive conversation with the CIO in the room, and we're talking about business services. And this is very common amongst a lot of IT people. So I start going in, I talk about geoengineering, I talk about thermal engineering, dynamic engineering, I thought I'd talk about, you know, geospatial um, you know, data analysis, all these real business services that this company operates and provides. The IT operations director stops me and says, Matt, th th those aren't business services. Uh, we're talking about things like email and network services and data storage. I said, no, no, Mike, those are not business services. Those are those are IT things. And no one really cares about those. <laughs> right. They only they care. Exactly. They, they just expect it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Was the, you know, you know, when's the last time you were worried about your wattage service when you turned on your light? You didn't. <laughs> it turned on or it didn't. Right. And he's like, he's like, well, college. according to Idol, and he, he reached down and he grabbed the, ser the service strategy book. And he opens it up and he starts flipping to the business service catalog and what business service are. He goes, business services are what IT provides to, to the business. And, and I looked at him and I said, Mike, put that book away and please don't ever open it in my presence again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, he said I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of ITIL and all the, all the value that it brings, but it is a recommendation of certain capabilities. It's just a reference book. It by no means is 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 trying to tell you a, a standard of care, right? right? 
And, yeah. and I tell, when it comes to security and asset management and how things are operating, they're always looking for the standard of care that frankly just misses the main point. If you go into any healthcare organization and the modern nurse and doctor, what they're taught today, do you know what the standard of care is? is? Patient happiness. Oh, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Right? For them. And, and it's not about like, hey, this is how we're going to treat cancer at stage four. The first thing to do is what makes the patient happy at stage four? If they're 89, do they really want to go through chemo and all these? Probably not, right? Probably not at this stage. They'd rather live the next six to nine months happy and healthier than being, you know, bombarded by all this, all this stuff that was going to make them sicker before it makes them better. It, it, and we need to treat IT almost in that same way. We look at our systems and our technologies, and some of them have so much technical debt, and some of them are so fragile, and we want to go through this massive restoration project on this stuff, and we don't have the wherewithal to step back and say, why don't we just put this in the cloud? Why don't we just outsource this to somebody else? And we feel like our ownership is what creates the value, and it's not. It's the outcome that creates the value. That's an interesting concept. The ownership doesn't create the value. The outcome does. The mm -hmm. It seems like, too, that if more IT departments had that attitude, they would be more um, open to some of these changes you're talking about, right? Like if they viewed the outcome as the ultimate measure of success rather than how much do I manage or control, that changes the whole game, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it's why, you know, IT organizations and most CIOs, they're constantly wanting you know, one of the reasons I left the IT operations career path was as a CIO, I found myself in this situation where I had a management that didn't recognize the value of IT. And I had a staff that only wanted to manage and operate IT. But IT doesn't exist for IT's sake. It right, never has right. and it never will. Right. Right. And so if you can't if you if you can't find that that seat at that table where you can be part of the transformation strategy, and it's one of the things I push every CIO when I when I speak in front of CIOs, I always tell them. I, the first thing I ask is, there a digital transformation leader in the house? And typically the answer is no. Yeah, they're not right. They're they're, they're cost control. They've been focused on budget. They're, they're focused on analytics and metrics and uptime and things like that. And those those are not transformational components of a business operation you know those those are those are those are run right business parts of the business right so if so you, you know no go it, ahead sorry Matt. Go shift ahead. the mind yeah you're gonna shift the mindset right to be more strategic if you it wants to seat at the table to be more strategic but they don't do any of the things that they need to do to get there so here's my question and this this is um i think where the rubber meets the road right is it's easy to say be strategic and transformational. My concern is, right, how, how do, if, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, that's wonderful, how do I actually do that? Like if I'm a sort of a, maybe a, I, I'm in the, I'm in a, maybe I'm in management, but I'm not at the C level in the IT department. How do I, how do I do that? How do I be transformational uh, tomorrow, yeah. right? Next week, the week after that, how do I, how do I actually do it? It's challenge, right? You you are trying to get somebody else to understand and appreciate your values. You know, it's the old Jerry Maguire thing. Show me the money. Show me the transformation. 
look at look at how you're managing your assets today. Are you manually pushing patches? Are you manually pushing software updates? The, the digital transformation doesn't start because of technology. Digital transformation is a is an outcome of where there was a physical limitation and someone used technology to scale it and perform. Right? The Netflix versus Blockbuster thing, right? Why go to a movie uh, a movie rental company, get in your car and have to drive someplace? When I can just have the DVD show up at my house. Uh, you thought I was going to say stream to your house, didn't you? No, remember the first thing Netflix did that disrupted Blockbuster was yeah, they, they had sent the DVD them. come to you, yeah. right? The first physical limitation, that's what they removed. When they built that membership and they built that traction and they showed that capability, when they introduced the streaming service, they already had a base to work off of. Netflix had the vision of streaming well before they were doing the DVD ship to you but they knew they didn't have the membership and buy-in first. So they had to demonstrate that they could actually remove a physical limitation and, and provide efficiencies before they went to the next level. And that's what IT needs to do. So look at your basic blocking and tackling. You know, look at how things are ordered. Do you order things by calling somebody or sending somebody an email? Well, that's a fail, right? Do you run Google Analytics on your self-service request catalog to see the things that people are asking for that you don't run? Well, I know you both are in marketing. We look at that stuff all the time in marketing, and we don't think twice about it. We would never put a web page up without running Google Analytics on it to right. understand how people are engaging with that page. But it IT does that all it. the time. That's a good point. IT does it all the time. We do it all the time. No one's using our web page. <laughs> well, did you think why? Did you know what the call to action was? Did you have clarity trumping persuasion on, on how you were going to engage that? Not at all. So you haven't demonstrated even some of the basic blocking and tackling within the, within the realm of sphere of your control inside of IT operations that you could even handle a digital transformation. Do you think I'm going to do my order to cash process to you? <laughs> no, thank you. Right? I'm going to do my acquisition, customer acquisition process, my buyer journey to you. No, thank you. Right? right you got to right. earn your seat at the table. You got to earn your seat at this digital transformation world. And I tell you, the digital transformation budget. 70% of it, from a CEO perspective, goes towards what a CMO wants to do, which is grow revenue and create new customer experiences. It's 45 and 25%, respectively, are the CEO agendas for investing in a digital transformation budget. And these digital transformation budgets typically reign anywhere from 15 to 35% of the annual revenue of an organization. Hey, well, Matt, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have one final question, however. Sure. Uh, in a cage match between you and Kevin Smith, who's going to win? Uh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. I love how you didn't even hesitate. You're like, Kevin. Kev win. Kevin yeah. win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Matt's the, he's like Popeye. It's with the eggs He's a Boston morning. kid. He's a, that's right. Boston guy. I'm, I'm. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, now, dance off, dance off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've I've seen Matt dance, and it's remarkable. <laughs> like, dude has some moves. He can throw it down. Whatever analogy yeah. you want to use, he can do that. Uh, I'm gonna have Who to see this. Mark Mark? Next time right? you come to the office, Matt. Next time you come to headquarters, we're gonna have to have a dance off with you and Steve because Steve can no, dance. No, I, I, I can't. Yeah, dance. He can. He can no. dance really good. He's no. being modest. Um, <laughs> no, this has been great, Matt. Because I think you're right. I think that the future of IT is totally dependent upon businesses um, and IT departments transforming and people taking the initiative within those departments to transform. So you've, you've really outlined a, a good process to do that. So we thank you for, for hopping on. 
Great, guys. A lot of fun. Continue the podcast. It's great stuff. Appreciate it. Where can uh, people find you? Where can they look out for you? Where can they read your stuff? So at Vigilant Guy is my Twitter handle. And VigilantGuy.com is my personal blog. And um, it, it won't always be factual, but it will be entertaining. <laughs> you know that's what they're not necessarily mutually exclusive but sometimes they go and if you if you're in tampa you can just see a guy who's sitting on his patio shirtless with sunglasses on that's which is basically guy. half every of tampa guy. exactly that's exactly. it strumming his guitar that's there's right. only there's only there's only 22 million of us here doing that but uh that's right exactly i'll be one of them awesome, there we go man. thank you matt well go ahead and rate review and subscribe to the podcast and you can connect with us and other fans on the Interchange IT Podcast Facebook page. We're starting to see a fun community on there. And then also follow us on Twitter at Interchange uh, Pod. And then you can email us uh, with questions, concerns, complaints, wanting to know where to hang out with Matt uh, shirtless in Tampa. Um, Interchange IT Podcast at And you can connect with me on Twitter at Steve Error. And McKay is at McKay S. Allen. You have to have the S. Someone else took don't the... Don't forget the don't S. Don't forget the S. You'll end up with some crazy stuff if you forget the S. No guarantees on On even what my happens. stuff. That's right. Uh, and then finally, thank you to the Big Giant Circles for the music. And good luck, guys. Change IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.